BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with attorney Ben Crump. Unfortunately, Crump is in the headlines again, representing the family of another black man killed at the hands of police. Tyree Nichols' death, after being beaten by Memphis police, has become yet another instance where video illustrates a group of those sworn to protect and serve using their positions to brazenly violate the rights of a citizen and ultimately end the life of a man who, while being beaten, uttered the words, I'm just trying to go home. Ben, let me ask you, I mean, all of these deaths, the death of any human being, I view as the same, but there are deaths that are touch points in this movement. I think about Rodney King, for instance. I think about Trayvon Martin. I'm wondering how you see this death. This is uh, such a tragedy on so many levels. Uh, I, I never compare and contrast these tragedies because all of them, Ed Gordon, are very unique. Um, but there are I, some that kick off things. They, they move things. They move a needle in a different way. I I agree, Ed. I I think, you know, just like Rodney King was a watershed moment in 1991 when that video was revealed to America, I think, you know, this video of 2023 was a watershed moment for America, too, for many similar reasons, but then for many distinguishing reasons. Uh, obviously you have police brutalizing a defenseless, unarmed black man. 
But then, obviously, in 2023, with Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee, you have those police officers are all African-Americans. And so it's part of a larger conversation where we have to address the culture of policing. And it's not whether or not the officer is Black, white, or Hispanic, but it is about who they engage in excessive force against, the brutality that they, you know, live out against whom. And so what I believe, Ed Gordon, in my almost 25 years of doing civil rights law all across America, many of the cases you and I talked about, Ed, it is not the race of the police officer that is the determining factor of whether or not they're going to engage in excessive use of force, but it is the race of the citizen. And oftentimes, if it's black or brown people, that is who bears the brunt of the police brutality. Uh, We don't see videos of our white brothers and sisters being brutalized by police like this. But how many times have we seen black and brown people brutalized in shocking video? And you say, but why? George Floyd, you know, uh, Eric Gardner, Alton Sterling, Pamela Turner. I mean, so many of these videos have shocked our conscience. We have yet to see a video of a white unarmed person being brutalized by the police. Not saying that it doesn't exist. We just have never seen it. Ben, what does it say? You know, so many people were taken aback by the fact that these officers were black in a country that is so obsessed with race and that race moves the needle uh, on every subject in America. When you see the idea of this bleeding blue, the sense of officers almost trumping race, what does that say to us? Well, it says that there's a culture that exists and that that culture has to be addressed. The fact that there's some innuendo or some unwritten rule that you can have scorpion units in black and brown neighborhoods like the police officers who killed Tyree Nichols were a part of, but you don't have those scorpion units or these quote-unquote, jump-out boy units in the white neighborhoods. But then most major cities and most black and brown neighborhoods of color. And so it tells you it's the culture, really, that it is America. It's not just the police. It's the implicit bias in the criminal justice system. It's the implicit bias in the legal system. It's the implicit bias in American society. And so that's what it says to be, Ed Gordon, that implicit bias is baked into the fabric of the foundation of America. Ben, let me ask you, I can recall when I was a kid, uh, a special unit in Detroit called Stress. Uh, The idea that some 50 years later, 
we're still dealing with these special units doing the same thing. What does that say to us in terms of what we need to do to eradicate this? Well, Ed Gordon, you're right. These units have been around for most of our lives. And we have to remember police historically were formed as the slave patrol. Mm -hmm. So we have to remember that we're dealing with the overarching issue of racism in America. And the fact that when you look at these units only been mission for our communities, that we have to challenge them. And then they often come back to us, Ed Gordon, and they say, well, if we're not going to have these special units, then how are we going to keep the high tide of crime rates uh, from going up? And, you know, the reality is the same way you do it for the white community. Because you can't tell us that there's not crime in the white community, but you seem to be able to have police respect the constitutional rights of white citizens. Why can't you have police that respect the constitutional rights of black and brown citizens? It is whatever the mentality is, Ed Gordon. If the mentality is that we're going to respect every citizen as valued, and if we're going to respect the humanity in every citizen, then you get a much different policing department than what we have in most cities that have made a conscious decision that we don't think these people of color are worthy of respecting their constitutional rights like we respect white people in their communities. Ben, the first thing that I thought of when I saw the video, and you've already uncovered this, that this was not the first time, that it was very clear to me that this was something that these officers were comfortable with, uh, that they probably did, um, I don't want to say necessarily on a regular basis, but certainly not on an irregular basis. Give me a sense of where you are in, in investigating this kind of thing with the Memphis Police Department. You know, we've had other citizens now that have come forward and said they, too, were victims of these Scorpion unit uh, brutality and the use of excessive force. And so what we have to continue to try to make people see that this was a pattern and practice. This was their culture. The fact that after they lynched Tyree Nichols, and we all watched the lynching, they had him in handcuffs beside the car. He slid to one side. They picked him up after a minute, and he slid to the other side. They picked him up after another minute, and he fell down a third time. Nobody picked him up this time. He was just on the ground moaning in agony. It was obvious he was in distress. But those officers, Ed Gordon, walked around so nonchalantly. Mm -hmm. they, it was like business as usual. Nobody was alarmed. Nobody was upset. Nobody was disappointed out of what, the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 officers on the scene. So what that tells us is that this was not the first time they did it before. 
and that this was part of the accepted pattern and practice within the Memphis Police Department. Ben, you've talked about a blueprint, the idea that uh, Police Chief Davis uh, was quick and swift after seeing this video of, of, of what she was able to do. I want you to speak on that, but more specifically, I'd like you to also speak on the fact that there are those who have suggested that um, this was uh, a CYA for her and that she should have known the environment that perhaps has been going on. And I'll underline perhaps in the Memphis Police Department. You know, it, it's so telling, Ed, how when it was five black police officers, they were able to terminate them, arrest them, and charge them in less than 20 days. Less than 20 days. And it just struck me immediately that this is the blueprint now. This is the blueprint going forward right now for any police officer that's caught committing a crime or using excessive force and abusing us. Well, I don't care if the officer black or white. This is the blueprint now. And, and Chief Davis said it herself. It was important that the community see swift action. It was important that the community see we were moving swiftly towards justice. Well, it's important when white officers brutalize us too on video, and we have that evidence that the community see swift justice. No longer, Eric Gordon, can they tell us it's going to take Mm-hmm. Six months, a year, two years, and I can give you example after example. Whether you know EJ Bradford in Alabama killed on video, shot in the back. Eric Gardner, you know, there in Staten Island, New York, the first I can't breathe case. Alton Sterling, Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. Louisiana. Rodney Green in Louisiana. Uh, Tamir Rice on video. Laquan McDonald shot. 16 times in the back on video, and yet they said it took over two years to investigate. They can't do that anymore because we now are going to remind them, well, with the Memphis, Tennessee, with these five black officers, you did it just fine. So let and, me ask you this, Ben. Do you believe Do you believe that had these been, circumstances, everything is the same except the race of the five officers? Memphis, this police chief, everything is the same, but the officers are white instead of black. Do you think you see the swift justice that you've Absolutely seen? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Ronald Green is comparing apples to apples. Those white officers tortured and lynched Ronald Green, and yet it took two years to investigate them before they were charged. Let me take you to, to, to the politics of all this. Uh, many of us have watched... And you asked me, Chief Davis, um, I know many people in Atlanta have contacted us and said the Scorpion unit sounded a lot like the Red Dog unit Mm -hmm. when uh, Chief Davis was in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So we will have to, you know, learn about the Red Dog unit and compare uh, the Scorpion unit and to see if... uh, People in Atlanta are accurate. Yeah, and let's be clear, Ben. I mean, let's not, uh, you know, play ring around the rosies with any of this. Any of these units in any city that you're going to find, 
are going to be comparatively speaking violent. I don't care what anybody tells me. History shows that these units have gone in and and kind of a eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth mentality uh, by the police. And in some in in some instances, you understand that, but there has to be a line that's drawn uh, just for the humanity of mankind. Yeah, and, and the fact that Tyree had humanity, uh, you know, George Floyd had humanity. All these black people who were unarmed were owed a duty of not just respect and professionalism, but of mere humanity. If they had offered him an ounce of humanity, there's a good chance Tyree Nichols would still be alive today. Ben, before I get to the politics of it, I'm sorry, but let me just ask this because that sparks a question for me. But here is a kid who really did everything that we teach our children to do. He wasn't belligerent. He didn't speak back when he said, all right, all right, I'm on the ground. When they told him to get all of the things that we tell our kids, he tried He tried to diffuse the situation. You've, you've been hearing about this for days and days now. I'm curious what we have to think about when you look at that police report. Um, that was not in any way, shape, or form anything close to what the video showed. How do we protect against that? Because judges will oftentimes immediately take the police report as gospel. Yeah, you know, it shows that more often than not, the police conspire to cover up the atrocities that they uh, engage in in black and brown communities. Uh, and I'm sure in a lot of situations, but it underscores what Vice President Kamala Harris and I uh, briefly spoke about at the funeral uh, of Tyree Nichols uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. We talked about the fact that it's so important to continue, whether we have to do it federally or put pressure on the states and the municipalities to make sure officers are outfitted with these body cameras because it's about transparency. Transparency of the key is the key because yet had, we see we these officers turning video, these cameras off, Ben. Yeah, but had we not had that video, yeah, the police report would have reigned supreme. Yeah, and, and we should make it a federal offense if you have an operating body camera video and you turn it off. Yeah, that is obstruction of justice because. We can be able to get transparency. And then the only question is, can we get accountability to get to equal justice? But it first starts with transparency. We got to have the body cameras on. They got to be able to see. And I thank Tyree Nichols' parents so much for saying, no, let America see. Let the world see how they, you know, brutalize Tyree. I want to get to them because when I talked to you the other night, I called you. Um, they have been extraordinary in all this. And, and, and oftentimes we see many of these families. I want to get to them in a second. But let me ask you this, Ben, uh, the political side of it. Uh, Vice President Harris at the funeral, uh, we know the want to bring federal legislation. Yet we should be clear that federal legislation on a state level doesn't always translate. 
uh, in terms of washing the baby clean, so to speak. So talk to me about what the importance of federal legislation will be and why it's important to have state and municipality legislation as well. Yeah, you know, Ed Gordon, we cannot be naive. We have to understand that getting federal legislation passed is not going to be easy. You know, we haven't had substantive, systematic police reform since President Lyndon Baines Johnson, great society legislation in the 1960s. We didn't get it with Rodney King. We didn't get it in the aftermath of Michael Brown being killed in Ferguson and during the President Obama's administration. We didn't get it in George Floyd. And now we trying yet again with this tragic killing of Tyree Nichols. But we have to strike a match and never curse the darkness because even though we didn't get the George Floyd Justice and Police Act passed after Breonna Taylor and George Floyd was killed unjustly by police officers, what we did was had over 500 cities and municipalities pass the George Floyd laws, talking about the fact that they're banning chokeholds or prohibiting chokeholds. And we had municipalities and states across the country after Breonna Taylor was killed saying that they're not going to allow uh, no-knock search warrants anymore, or they're not going to allow them to be served at night. So we're making progress. It's just that we have to always keep fighting because, as the great Frederick Douglass said, without struggle, there can be no progress. Then how do we change, uh, and what can the citizenry do to assist you in the fight? Because one of the things I'm afraid of is hashtags, uh, posting, being trendy, people, celebrities, those of note, showing up at these funerals, posting them at these funerals, quite frankly, with some music behind it, and their sense of, oh, I'm in tribute to this family. But really, I'm saying this, you're not. It is as much a tribute to say, look at me, look who I am. How do we make sure that it just doesn't become trendy? And what can we do to assist to move the needle? All is good, but you know me, Ben. I'm going to tell it like I see it. And that's a lot of it. Like, oh, I'm here as opposed to lending support um, in a real sense. Yeah, no, it's real because a lot of people with influence, they they like to play it safe. They, They may show up for a photo op, but they don't contribute to the crucial aspects of pushing the line of trying to make sure that we turn the rhetoric into policy. And a lot of that is trying to do the grunt work where you have people mobilized to go to city hall meeting and sit there with the city council, like white soccer moms. When they Mm -hmm. have an issue, they go to that city hall meeting and nobody ain't going to do anything until they address their issue. Well, that's why we as people of color have to be about our children, too, uh, and the state legislatures. You know, so many times they have gerrymandered these districts. But the reality is, if we go out and vote, we can at least take the governor's matching because they do count every vote in the state oftentimes. And so we have to be mobilizing voters to be motivated 
before the election. And I'm happy to say during this month of Black History Month, you know, at the St. Thomas University uh, College of Law in Miami, Florida, they're going to have a historic event where they named the law school after me, Ed, and I'm very humbled by it, but it would be the first time in America that a law school would be named after a practicing black lawyer. My personal hero, Thurgood Marshall, uh, you know, they named the Texas Southern Law School after him while he was on the Supreme Court bench as a judge. Uh, But this law school's mission is going to be focused on getting young people of color, civil rights uh, uh, lawyers, making the next generation of civil rights lawyers and social justice warriors. So if you want to be able to overcome these obstacles and these impediments to equality and justice, education is the key. It is always about education. And the more little black and brown children we can give law degrees who will come and help be the next Thurgood Marshalls and the next uh, Constant Martin Bakers and Johnny Cochran's, the better off we're going to be, Ed. And those with influence, they can donate and make sure these kids who have the intellect, they've checked all the boxes. They just don't have the financial resources that there's this school in the heart of the minority community in Miami with a mission to represent the underserved. And we can add Ben Crump to that uh, uh, illustrious list of names you just gave there. I'm not going to act like I didn't talk to you earlier. We talk all the time and say congratulations, but let me say it for the for the crew. Congratulations, Ben. Proud of you. Let me ask you a couple of other things just really quickly, because I know you got to go. One of them is just this. When we think about the extraordinary nature of these parents who have to now face cameras, millions of people be placed with not only grieving, but trying to keep their loved one's name alive and move toward justice. So not only are you thrown into the lion's den, but it's a much bigger picture than we could ever, ever imagine. Give me a sense of how this family is handling this. I called you uh, a few days ago to say, particularly his mom, but his stepfather too, have been extraordinary. Yeah, they are incredibly graceful. Um, but it's not easy. You know, Miss Robin Wells, Tyree's mother, said the only way she's able to cope with this, Ed, is she has to believe God sent her son to earth for an assignment mm-hmm. and that his assignment is finished. Now he's gone back to his heavenly father and that she has to believe some good is going to come out of this or it'll make her go crazy mm-hmm. the way she lost her child. And so I think her and Mr. Rodney Wells, her husband, they are reminding me a lot of, you know, Trayvon's parents, Tracy Martin and Sabrina Fulton. They remind me of uh, Terrence Crutch's uh, parents, Reverend Joey Crutcher and Catherine Crutcher. I mean, and it's not fair at all. Uh, I think of Breonna Taylor's mother, I mean, who everybody said was just a, a regular roundaway girl, but because she had to suddenly be thrust into the public, you know, uh, limelight, that she had to become the voice for 
her child and everybody else would mention their child, and they have to define the legacy. If not, it would be as if their child life didn't matter. Yeah. And so, you know, Ravon is the latest, and I hope there won't be many more, but I, regrettably, we know there will be. Lastly, Ben, what do we look for uh, as as this moves forward? Um, you know, what are what are the next steps, and and what what should we be watching? Well, obviously, the State of the Union address. The president is going to have the family there, uh, and that's going to be big because we want the president to talk about, you know, police reform and the need for police reform. And, you know, they're reintroducing it. Senator Booker and Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, they're in the Senate and the House. Politics is the art of negotiation. I don't know if we're going to get everything in the bill, but we need to pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Well, we will certainly look to that and encourage all who uh, listen and watch this to uh it 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 does not lose sight. Contact your congressman and your senator and make sure that they understand that this is what you want. Uh, ben Crump, as always, my friend, thank you very much. Keep on keeping on, brother. Ed, I love you, man. And congratulations on the new show, Black okay. in America. All right. Love you back, Ben. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. No one likes to talk about money. Am I saving enough? Can I buy a house? Am I paying too much in taxes? Will I be able to retire? What if you could unlock insights about your finances in less than five minutes with a clear picture of where you stand today and where your money can work harder? Now you can. Visit facet.com to take the free quiz and get your financial wellness score today. That's F-A-C-E-T.com. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.